Welcome along to the Make It Count podcast. My name is David. And my name is Matt. And we are the Taylor Bros. Indeed we are. This week as with other weeks. Every week we are the Taylor Bros and we're talking about making it count. And just the idea we came across was something that I'd read recently. And this is it. If you know something and don't do it, you don't know it. That was sort of the idea... The the thing is like if you know something but don't do it, you don't actually know it. Yeah. So what was your first impressions of that, Matt? Yeah, well, again, first impressions, difficult to have true first impressions, but first impressions in terms of recording, uh, it kind of seems like, huh? But it brings about, and it's something we've shared before, but it's this idea that like common sense isn't common practice or common knowledge isn't common practice Mm. and i think there's a difference between ultimately like knowing something up here intellectually and being able to say the the axiom or whatever and Mm. actually it's part of my life i live it so that's a different level of knowledge i think yes and so the idea that i i think i'm fairly sure i got it from the book about uh Trust and Inspire by Stephen Covey. And he talks about it in the context of leadership, really, and how they Mm. talk to a lot of leaders and say, how are you at these various competencies, you know, trusting your employees, as being inspiring, these sorts of things. And then they talk to the people that that work for them. Yeah. And there's just this huge disparity. And he Mm. basically goes... The leaders, they're not bad people. They have good intentions. Their intent is good. But actually, the reality of their behavior is different. And so this normal thing of we judge ourselves by our intention and other people by their behavior. And so he sort of summarizes, as far as I can remember, this idea that, hey, you might think you know something. You might even be doing it. But if you're not doing it, you don't actually know it. Uh, And there's something that comes from doing it that means there's a deeper knowledge so what do you think about that have you had that experience where you thought you knew something you started to do it and now you're like oh i didn't but now i really do know it ah okay two thoughts come into mind there especially from the leadership point of view i i've been in a few positions where i've done some leading i've never done anything like a 360 review or anything never been in a formal situation where that's happened so i suppose I have no idea about what some of the things I would say, yeah, like this is how I show up. And then people that are around me would go, okay, that's actually how he shows up. So they're probably, oh my, well, I know this because people that have done them say, you think you don't have any blind spots, but then you do one of these and it's quite horrifying. Make sure you're sat down when you read the results. So I know that I'll have those blind spots. From the the way that you framed that last one though, so like you think you know it and then when you start practicing it, it, you suddenly realise, oh, I don't know this nearly as well as I, I thought. It's the idea of the J curve, mm-hmm. isn't it? So the shape of a J, uh, and I need to draw it correctly for the the camera, so it's like it goes that way, mm-hmm. right? So you, you, you start there and you start and then you initially get worse. And for a while, you're, you're getting worse before it gets better and then you take off sort of thing. And that's recently, for example, I started up again doing some pottery this year that's been really fun. I hadn't done it in about five years before doing it again. And initially, it was just painful again. I was like, I conceptually know what I should be doing with my hands. But I just, 
I'd lost that knowledge. I was able to fairly quickly gain it back again, but also I noticed I'd gotten sort of bad habits. So the instructor had to come and be like, well, actually, this is how you need it to be. And like talked through not just like the theory, but like, and this is because that's what's happening. This is where your hands need to be. You need to be pushing in. It wants to come, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, now I, I get it. And then you're feeling it. And, and so that's been a really helpful way of reminding me recently, like from a very hands-on perspective, this is what this feels like. Like now I would say, and of course, I'm, there's still many times when I turn up and it just everything flops. But I'm getting out of that sort of bottom of the J. I'm getting back into a, oh, I know this. Not like my, it almost, you know, we talk about like muscle memory. It's that deep in, it's like, oh, you feel it with your hands. You feel it with your muscles sort of thing. Mm. That's the knowledge we're talking about. Yeah. There was a a coach that I, I read his book. Um, I'm trying to remember his name, but the book was called Relentless. And he was a bit like that. He'd worked with some of the best sports athletes in the U.S., and he was quite extreme in a lot of ways, like high intensity, you know, focus, be relentless in how you approach everything. And his sort of organization grew and grew until he had other coaches who would work for him, who would mm. be training the athletes and the sportsmen and women. And one of the things he was saying is, well, if you're going to put them on this diet, you have to do the, the diet, you know, you have to yeah. know what it's like. And one aspect of one of these diets was basically a total sugar, sugar fast for 10 days. And he said, when you do that, what happens is day two, you will have a migraine. Your, your body's going to shut down because you are addicted. You have so much sugar, like to do a total sugar fast is really intense. And it's like these coaches are like breaking down. It's like this awful experience, but it helps them be more now empathetic because yes. they have this deeper lived experience for their athletes. And, you know, we all sort of joke, but you don't ultimately, you don't want um, an oversized coach. You know, you want the coach that kind of, they might not do it now, but they at least understand what it's like to do the hard thing, you know? Yeah. And, and so I thought that was that was probably what it's like. Is it's, it's this deeper knowledge that happens when you experience something. Absolutely. Well, the uh, Tim Elmore's picture for it is the the skinny chef, isn't it? It's kind of like, oh, you, you don't want to go and eat at the the restaurant of the chef that's wasting away because you go, well, if you're wasting away, you clearly aren't eating your own food. So why would I want to eat your food, sort of thing? Yeah, um, I had a I had a friend who always used to joke with them about that. You never trust a skinny chef. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I think um, a, a phrase I, I want to bring in here, because um, we're talking about knowledge, you know, if you know something and don't do it, you don't know it. It, it kind of reminds me of the the old the way that um, in in the Bible it used to translate. It was translated before, like right at the beginning, like Adam knew his wife Eve, right? so, you know, like and uh, people have often been like, oh, like that's just like a little bit prudish. They don't want to say the word, you know, but what you learn after thinking about it a little bit more and coming back and reflecting on it and you see is that that hebrew word i think it's yada it it belies something it belies that knowing isn't what we think of as knowing as an in sort of post enlightenment it's all about what's going on up here you know no i know that and or like descartes i think therefore i am sort of thing it's very much a more embodied and, and almost relational Thing. and maybe we, we're going to tie it here with the relationship in a bit you know the leadership and what you're doing in such a way but the, that coming together and knowing is 
it's such a powerful concept of there, there's a coming together, there's a unity, and that's what's going on there. And I think that can be the case with, for example, you know, um, a skill that you're learning. Like you can, you know, a scientist might be able to perfectly describe uh, the way that the air moves around a, you know, a football that's being kicked such that that's why it bends in a certain way. That's one way of knowing what's going on. But the, the football player who's practiced taking those has another way of knowing what's going on. And what I think you're touching on is this idea that what do we believe about the word knowledge? What is knowledge? And much yeah. of what how we're set up is this idea that knowledge is in their head. I get taught knowledge by the teacher, the book, the expert. I say the knowledge back. That means I know it. Yeah. But actually, there's other types of knowledge, as you mm. talked about. And it's it's this, again, it's a bit of a sporting example, but they say many times the best athletes, the best sports people in the world make terrible coaches because they don't know why they're so good. They'll just be like, do this amazing thing that I used to be able to do without really thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. All, the, all the athletes that now work for this coach who used to be an amazing player is like, we can't do that. Like, how do we do that? And he's like, well, just do it. Like, I was able to just do it. And it's like, well, he he can't communicate even how he knew how to do that in his body and yeah. with his mind. But there was a different sort of knowledge. It was a maybe it's a heart knowledge or an implicit in his body. And and so people talk about, well, how do you even make decisions? Do you make it with your head, with your heart, with your gut? And there's these different types of knowledge based off of experience, of of a combination of how uh, of stories you've heard. It's like, oh, well, we know this story in my culture. So that means I know how to respond in this situation. And so I think that's the idea that. We're, we're trying to drag people into this awareness. It's like head knowledge isn't bad. It's really useful oftentimes, but it's not the only knowledge. And actually it can be, and let's have a broader view of that because if you think you know something in your head, but you're not living it, there is a bit of a discontinuity there. There's a, a lack of almost integrity is what we might say. Yeah, that's interesting. A lack of integrity and not necessarily in a moral sense, but in a, You've got a disconnect between what you think and what you actually do. I suppose it it, it reminds me of, we, we've maybe spoken about this before, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but kind of the danger of an insight or the danger of an epiphany is another way of thinking about it. It's like, we love it. We love getting an epiphany. Oh, now I understand. I've never seen it like that before. And if you don't do anything with the epiphany, it's got, there's no point. You might as well not have had the epiphany. You, you might have not, well, not have had the insight. And it's kind of the thing of um, the man in the arena whole thing. Like everybody loves to know it and be the armchair critic. And I'm like, well, if I was in that situation, I would know what to do. Well, get in the situation then and do it. Show that you know it, with being involved and being it. So I suppose that maybe to you know take this to the next step in the conversation. Like, what are some things that perhaps we know, but actually now we realize we don't know as well as we thought we did. Like, it, well. You, yeah, this is to me quite obvious in a lot of areas. Maybe not me specifically, but us generally. I've been doing, I ran a well-being training course for a while. And some of the stuff around well-being, this foundational points is moving more, eating effectively and sleeping soundly. Now, yes. everyone knows 
that moving and exercise is important. You know, the eating thing, everybody knows we should be eating more fruit and veg, like, you know, the five a day, like we can track that over time. And more people know that than ever knew it before, but less people do it now. Right. Yeah. So, and, and sleeping soundly. And so this is idea that, well, you might be able to articulate it, you know it in your head, but you're not doing it. And I think that's where we see the disconnect. That's why I would say it's almost like an integrity thing or like that, I mean, you, you know it in your head, but you don't know it. And you'd want to go see the nutritionist who has done this for 15 years because there's something, oh, yes. you know what the challenges are like. Yeah, you, you know, you know how difficult this is. Or, hey, when you go to the shops, you just want to buy all the other things. And when you're at home and you're tired on a Friday night, you know, you know, that's a, you, you get it. There's a deeper thing than just like, oh, I know I should eat more like fruit and veg. Well, do you? <laughs> do you really? Like, you don't really believe it because you might do something about it then. And yeah. I don't want to dismiss the point that actually on the journey to doing something there has to be some knowledge i think that is helpful you know there are people that do things that are really good and they have no idea why you know they don't have the knowledge but they're doing it anyway and that's also fine but i think there's a knowledge on the journey there but i think like you've talked about here many of us get stuck in the knowledge bit oh we know this cool <laughs> yeah because what we I think what we we fall into the fallacy of maybe maybe I'm just generalizing here and it's completely off base but partly I think it it ties to this idea that kind of uh, at the moment reading through the seven habits of highly effective people and habit number two is such a powerful one begin with the end in mind uh, because basically it goes be faced with your mortality there will come an end and how do you want that to be? How do you want people to remember you when you have passed? How do you, what do you want the shape of your life to have been at that point? Okay, great. Now let's look, let's that inform. But I think so often we're, we're so good at just kind of conveniently forgetting that in the day-to-day run-of-the-mill life, yeah, ultimately there will come a point where that's it, that's it, time's up. And we, in a sense, we fool ourselves into thinking what we have now will just always continue to be. Because a day doesn't look that different from yesterday. To this week doesn't look that different from last week. So we, because of that, that then allows us to just procrastinate on the things. Oh, yeah, I know, I know I should eat healthy. I'll get around to that next time. I've got a big milestone. Oh, I know I should exercise more. New Year's only eight months away. I'll do, you know. It's like we so we postpone we procrastinate and that we've talked about that before like with the that brilliant ted talk the inside the mind of a master procrastinator and he says the most insidious things we procrastinate on don't have a deadline until your final deadline um your which is your death day um if you hadn't got that because you know if you've got an exam if you've got a job interview if you've got you know a project that has a deadline built in and eventually the panic monster will set in and go, hang on, you've got to stop procrastinating and do some work on this, put something into this. But when it comes to all of these other things that nobody is, you know, there's no person that's going to come along and go, how's, you know, unless you submit to it personally, how's your diet? How's your exercise? How's your relationships? So again, with this, like we know, we know enough that, just to be dangerous, to almost convince ourselves, almost inoculate ourselves against the, okay, now I need to take the action because we kind of go, I know enough. So great. I'll, when I get round to it, I'll I'll do great at it, but I'll just, not today. 
maybe tomorrow or maybe next week. And uh, this is where it touches on the the challenge of like knowing how to create those habits and yes. also recognizing those things. So, you know, if you went and typed in types of knowledge into Google or any of your mm -hmm. favorite search engines, you're going to get loads of systems ideas about different things. But one of them or two of them are explicit knowledge and implicit knowledge. And I think we touched on that, like the explicit knowledge is things I know that I can tell you. Mm. But the implicit knowledge is things I kind of know, but I don't really think about. And so the example is, if I was onboarding you at a business, the explicit knowledge is everything I tell you. The implicit knowledge is all the stuff about the organization that I don't really see, but is actually really important. <laughs> yes. And and so it's just like, oh, we implicitly knew this because we've been here for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't even notice it enough to be able to communicate that. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the... And this is how it, this organization really runs. This is who you talk to if you need that doing. This is the way you get around that barrier that nobody yeah. tells the, the the person. Yeah. yeah, because it's not written down. It's not really this like really understood knowledge that can be communicated clearly because people don't really figure it out. And so, you know, I think that idea that we were talking about with about the, the basketball player who was really great, he has some explicit knowledge, you know, about the tactical side of the game, the stuff he's learned. But there are some skills or abilities that he had that made him one of the best in the world that when he's a coach, he doesn't know how to communicate that. That was just an implicit part of his experience that, oh, I can do this. I've been doing this since I was, you know, eight or nine or however long. And I know how to do this because I've done this for hundreds and thousands of hours. Yeah. You just do it. No, we can't just do that. Well, I don't know how to teach that. <laughs> and and so those those are just interesting things. Uh mm. So I suppose maybe if you know something and don't do it, then you don't know it is a bit mm, binary, I think. But I think it's a helpful challenge to us where many times we say we know something, but we don't. And we've settled for the staging post of, oh, I know I should do this. And I think like, again, coming back to the wellbeing course I ran and, uh, and some of the stuff I'm writing around that, Sleep, I think, is the number one. Oh, you know, the when you I think I read recently that before the light bulb, the electric light bulb was invented, people on average slept 10 hours a night. And there's mm. not many people over the age of five that are sleeping 10 hours a day or 10 yeah. hours a night. Yeah. And everybody says, I should be sleeping more. <laughs> you know, I'm tired. Why are you tired? Well, stayed up late, watched the film, or I went out, or, you know, I just don't sleep enough, or I was on my yeah. phone, or it was too hot, or it was too cold. It's all these reasons. It's like, most of us know we should be sleeping more, but we don't. We don't prioritise that. Mm -hmm. And so we don't really know that we should be sleeping more until we actually do it, and we realise, oh, when I do get seven, eight, nine hours of sleep a night consistently, like, this is so much better. I get less migraines. I'm more energetic. I eat less because I'm tired less. You know, and all of these other sort of knock-on effects. And you talk to many personal trainers and they're like, yeah, the best training thing you can do is make sure you get enough sleep because that's when the repair happens for your body. Yeah. Psychologists talk about that. Your brain recovers and, and processes all the information from the day. So all of these things. So if we really knew how good it was for us, we would prioritize it, but we don't. We have ultimately just go, meh. And so we don't really know that we need more sleep because we're happy with just sort of surviving, just getting by. Yeah, I think that's that's spot on. 
because and again to bring in the the seven habits the first the first habit is be proactive so it's kind of like you know take responsibility for your life in a sense yes everybody's had stuff happen to them but it's what we then choose the the second one and i think this where this is where maybe this plays in is like if you if you can envisage this is how i want my life to have finished and, and shape when i look at look back at it on the end that then allows you to make some key decisions like oh go what is it that's really important and then basically what we're saying now this is interesting how this is twisted i didn't think we were going to go there but habit number three is put first things first and that's not just like what's your most pressing task for the day is no, what's the most important what are the most important things in your life that you want to invest in that you want to invest your resources so time money energy you know emotions every so and once you've got those pieces in place you recognize great i actually have responsibility i have freedom to choose so great i am an i'm an actor not a reactor uh now i know how i want my life to finish so i know the things that are, are going to be important to invest in great now i'm going to invest time in those things so that is the putting into place the knowing so like if you just finish it great i've got a wonderful vision for how i want my life to be i've written down my obituary and my eulogy and then you don't live your life any different have you actually made a difference until you start going okay what are the key relationships what are the key skills what are the big achievements that i'm moving towards today that are going to change my life so for example something that i uh, has just been helpful for me recently we've talked a lot about this over the over the year and a half of doing podcasting um journaling but sometimes i go through a bit of a dry patch where i'm kind of like i just uh, i'll just do it in the morning i'll do it tomorrow a helpful reminder for me just is is always coming back to the almost the identity piece of like either like one one of these three thoughts helps either i am a journaler so i'm going to journal so just i that's who i am now and so i'm going to do it or it's for my good so i'm going to do it it's good for me even though like initially opening it up there's something about opening up a journal and getting that pen out and starting is challenging but as soon as you've started often you've got over the but and it's in the doing it it's in the practicing of it that i've i've reaped that benefit and i go yeah i can i can believe myself now when i say it's for my good because i have the last i can't do the math in my head but five plus years of doing it so that's you know 1500 days plus of doing it i've got that example that's why it's tricky starting a habit because you kind of go well i know it's good for me but only up here you don't know it in your body yet and that's why we need to do some of those baby steps to get ourselves to that place where we see a little reward a little reward a little, and then we start believing it definitely so i think we just sort of wrap up there and i'll say the quote again but if you know something and don't do it you don't know it what do you think about that have we been a bit too harsh is that too harsh a quote or mm. or do you think actually there's another way of looking at this that we haven't really discussed i would love to or we would love to hear what you have to say about that what do you think of that quote but that Absolutely. is our episode today uh, we are the make it count podcast and we hope you are making it count today